Okay, welcome back to another episode of the RW Podcast. We have Sty with us today. Sty, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for including me this week. Yeah, thanks for being here. Matt, as always, welcome to your own program. How are you doing to, today? Doing great. Thank you. Excellent. Um, so as we kind of discussed um, before we started uh, the podcast, there isn't a whole lot of NFL news, so um, I figured I would just jump right into uh, another round of who am I. Um, I'll give you and, and Sty some chances to guess. Um, new rookies this week. Um, obviously, I didn't want to reuse my facts. So all players are rookies. And um, the rookie that the answer is will be on a certain team, and we can uh, discuss their matchups. So uh, I guess without further ado, we can hop right in. But so the first one is, I was born in Ames, Iowa, but attended high school in Athens, at Athens High School in Ohio, where I led the school to three straight playoff appearances and the school's first seven playoff victories. Hmm. Matt, you got you got anything? I mean, I hear Ohio. I think Joe Barrow. But that's all I got. That's it. It is Joe Burrow. <laughs> nice. Cool. So the other facts I had was I was Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year and committed to Ohio State in 2014. And then I was a graduate transfer from Ohio State because Dwayne Haskins would end up winning the starting job. And in 2019, I threw 60 touchdown passes and became the first overall pick of the 2020 NFL Draft. So our player is quarterback Joe Burrow, and he is on the Red Knights. And the Red Knights oh, are facing England <laughs> Dragons. That's your guy. So, Matt, if you can uh, share your screen and, and show us that matchup. Stai, I'm going to let you break down your matchup with the Dragons for – week one and how you see that going. Okay, yeah, uh, well, obviously, uh, the Dragons, I really do feel, are uh, a little bit in a bad position to start off with uh, playing the Red Knights. Um, it's unfortunate for him. He has a couple of decent quarterbacks, Mahomes and Watson, uh, but also, if you notice, that is all he has. So he has uh, no... Uh, no other real backups at quarterback at all right now. So if something happens, uh, he would probably be starting one quarterback. So that could end up being uh, something that uh, is a deficiency or something that he could uh, have to worry about, maybe even week one. Uh, you know, he um, he has the advantage over me with uh, Kyler Murray and uh, Joe Barrow, but... Uh, you know, it's week one, so uh, who knows? Who knows how these teams are going to respond? Obviously, you always expect the rookie quarterbacks like Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray, who's not a rookie but is a one-year player, to outperform somebody like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, who are probably going to struggle because they're veterans and they're probably overconfident and fat and a little stupid. So I, I think I'm going to win that matchup, obviously. Um, now on the running backs, I'm starting two, uh, which is uh, Le'Veon Bell and Ronald Jones. He's starting uh, Delvin Cook and uh, Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, I hate to say this, but Derrick Henry is, is a pretty, pretty good running back. Uh, so I'm probably going to have to give it to him on, on that front, on the running back front. And uh, he's probably going to uh, outperform my two guys, um, as much as I, I hate to say it. I just don't know how Ronald Jones is going to do with uh, our new quarterback on the Bucks. Um, I'm starting four wide receivers. He's starting three. Uh, I don't know who Chris Godwin is, but uh, I know Keenan Allen and Robert Woods are pretty good on his team. And I have Odell Beckham and... Uh, Tyler Boyd, uh, Jameis Crowder, and Jarvis Laundry that are starting uh, on my team. Four versus three. I, I'm, I'm heavily going to be relying on uh, my uh, wide receivers this week and uh, most of the season. 
But unfortunately, I think he's going to beat me on uh, that front, even though if he's only starting three. I just uh, have some question marks on the wide receiver uh, front. Um, tight ends. I'm excited about my tight ends. I had weaknesses. It was a big, big problem for me last year. I had uh, OJ Howard that never played, and I always started him. Or not always, but quite a bit. Now I picked up Dallas uh, Godert. And uh, he was a big acquisition in RFA for me. And uh, TJ Hutchinson, I he didn't do much last year, but I'm I'm hoping for this year to have, see a lot better, better performance from him. I don't like his tight ends at all, um, almost as much as I don't like his face. Uh, like Blake Jarwin, <laughs> do you guys even know who that is exactly, right? <laughs> and then uh, Darren Waller, Waller, I think he's uh, back up uh, for the Rams, so he's. Probably decent, but uh, yeah, I have a big advantage on the tight ends for myself. Matt Gay, this guy is gonna destroy teams with his place kicking, so uh, he's gonna be an advantage for me against Lutz. Now, defensively, and I'll, I'll be brief because I know we have a lot of games to cover. Um, got a lot, I rely a lot on my defensive tackles. I have very good defensive tackles, I think. Uh, he's relying a lot more on uh, his. Uh, uh, just a good spread of players, really. Just a lot of linebackers, decent linebackers. I think he has the advantage on defense. And that might end up being my uh, downfall, uh, especially on the linebacker. Front, I, I you know, have Khalil Mack starting, and he's he could be hot or cold. So um, based on all the information, obviously the Red Knights are going to win this game, but not, not as uh, blowout as I would like. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Stai. I think the Red Knights are going to take this one down. Um, one thing that I, I really don't like to see, um, you know, maybe it's a, a European thing, but he's only got 10 guys starting on offense. I'm not sure if that's a metric system thing, but, um, you know, you're already you're holding a player advantage. Yeah. Um, one thing I definitely like with your team, though, is the four defensive tackles. They do score some good points in roster wars. Um, so I think that's a nice bonus for you. Um, obviously, John's got some some solid players, but um, I do think this matchup will be closer than what the, the uh, MFL projections are showing. Um, and, you know, everybody cheers for uh, John to lose. He just wins too much. So um, I think I'm going to put up the Red Knights flag in, in my yard week one and uh, definitely cheer for those defensive tackles to uh, light up the world, especially the kicker. I mean, if you can win that kicking battle in the same game in New Orleans, you know, I think everybody expects, you know, Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, that should be a field goal fest. And maybe a nice 18 to 15 win for the Buccaneers and Matt Gay hits that 60 yarder to win it for you. Um, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, you guys really covered it. I mean, one of the things I'll say is, like, I look a lot at, like, the data and the numbers and roster wars, and, like, starting 21 guys is just never a good idea. So, Steyer's already got the edge from the outset. Um, he has a lot of players that are also Rottweilers, so Steyer gets another advantage there. So, I know MFL puts it as, like, a 60-point gap even more once – John inserts another player into a starting lineup, but I, I can't see how the Red Knights lose this game. Yeah, thank one you. and all Red Knights. Yeah, it's a piece of cake, but thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our second one, and maybe maybe Matt won't get so lucky with a with a first guess on this one. Hopefully, I made it a little harder here. All right, number two, who am I? I attended Valencia High School and Oaks Christian High School in Southern California and was a four-star recruit that initially committed to UCLA before changing my mind. Oh. Any guesses on that one, guys? I mean, obviously, my guess would be uh, Derek Brown the uh, rookie defensive tackle. I mean, he's definitely one of my guesses for this. Okay. It is not him. 
but that is a good guess. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, that's a lot sharper guess. I was, I was thinking, did Tua not live in Hawaii? Did he live in California? It is not Tua. I host a YouTube channel with my girlfriend Kiana. Oh, okay. Now I know. I know this one. That's that dude that Dallas drafted. He's a wide receiver. Um, what's his name? Has a weird name. CD CD Lamb. Yes, thank you. Yeah. No, it is not CD Lamb. Close, close. I don't know. Was it Manti Teo's girlfriend named Kiana? I mean, she didn't exist, but I, I don't know if that was her name or not. I have no guess. <laughs> My father won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh, huh. Really? Yep. Same last name, father? Potentially. Well, that's, I mean, obviously we know the Bucks only won one Super Bowl. Yeah. And it would have to be uh, Julius Dilfer, maybe? <laughs> nope, it's not Trent's kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the final clue. I was selected with the 34th pick of the 2020 NFL draft by the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. Oh. I didn't know his father, though. <laughs> I still know Michael his father. Michael that's, Pittman. Yep, that's right. Michael Pittman Jr. Yes, oh, his yeah. father, Michael Pittman Sr., was a running back for the for the uh, Buccaneers. That's right. That's right. Wow, good one. Good one, Haji. So Michael Pittman Jr. is on the Eternals, and they are facing the Tyrants in Week One. And this is a this is a big matchup for. You to pay attention to Stai as it's the other two guys in uh, your chapter. So how do you see this one breaking down? It looks like Minnesota is going with that same England strategy of not starting enough players. Yes, uh, you are right, Haji. Um, he's only starting twenty-one players again, uh, Minnesota. Um, it's a lot of this season. I think is going to depend on uh, also how Aaron Rodgers is going to be performing. Seems like a lot of people are down on the guy. I, I was listening recently how I think he's being picked in the teams uh, in some of the redraft leagues, and he's not as uh, a popular quarterback anymore. It seems like uh, maybe a sleeper for some people uh, in their drafts more than anything. Uh, so he's relying on him. He's relying on Saquon Barkley um, and some uh, very good wide receivers. He has a good team, and uh, – all around, a, a very, very uh, decent team. I, I kind of don't like the fact that he starts three tight ends or he's planning on possibly starting three tight ends. Uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, J.R. Smith, and Tyler Higby. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm a big fan of that strategy or strategy, as I like to call it. And you look at uh, his defense, it's pretty, pretty strong defense. Uh, He's got good linebackers. I, I always was jealous of Devin Bush. I tried to send him a few offers, try to steal Devin Bush, a young linebacker that's very, very good with uh, Pittsburgh. On the Tyrants, everybody's predicting the Tyrants to be uh, possibly even the winner of Division One. Um, and it's possible. Anything's possible. Division One is uh, usually a pretty strong division, uh, obviously. Uh, with the uh, Dragons always uh, overperforming. And the Tyrants seem to underperform quite a bit in the past. Um, I, uh, I'm cheering for the Eternals to win, but, uh, but I look, I'm looking at this um, team, and I do see a lot of uh, big-time point scorers for the uh, Tyrants, uh, like Mike Purcell, for instance, uh, Denver defensive tackle. He's probably going to put up some serious points. Um, Melvin Ingram uh, is a good one. And, uh, and I think um, he has some good ones. He has some questionable players as well that a lot of us probably did not know too much about, like uh, David Johnson as a running back and uh, Mike Evans. So he has some players that are probably going to be a little bit possibly good, possibly not. Um, 
I do uh, see this as a victory for the Tyrants, though. I do think it's going to be close. I think he has the advantage mostly on offense more than defense. I think uh, uh, the uh, Andy has a more uh, advantageous uh, def defensive advantage there with some of his players. But I think the offense is going to be like, very hard to overcome for the Tyrants. So I'm picking the Tyrants. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, kind of looking through the Tyrants team, a lot of guys on their offense that I just wouldn't trust on, on my offense. I mean, if things break the wrong way, it could get ugly real quick. Um, you know, between David Johnson and James Conner, you could say that they're injury prone. I mean, and then you have A.J. Green and T.Y. Hilton, and I don't think anyone would argue that they're not injury prone. Um, I think things could just get ugly quick um, with that core on offense. Um, I really like the Eternals wide receiver core. Um, I think that is excellent, um, you know, in a 12-team league to be able to field that, a 12-team dynasty league, um, to throw out four receivers like that. Um, I agree completely with you, Stai, on the starting three tight ends, um, especially, you know, one like Jimmy Graham. Um, I don't think he belongs on anyone's starting roster. Um, Irv Smith, obviously, is a backup um, in Minnesota. And... Matt, I'll be curious to get your take, but I'm not high on Higby. I know the, the last five games last year, he was on just an incredible pace um, and doing things that no other tight ends has, have ever done. Um, I think I heard something like he was on pace for nearly 200 targets over that five-game span, if you would uh, push it out over a 16-game pace. Um, I mean, it was it was incredible what he was doing, um, but I'm not high on him going forward um, like the other people in the fantasy community. But um, I'm with you, Stai. I'm going to take the, the tyrants in this one. Um, I'm going to say neither team even hits 300 week one, though. I think it's just going to be an ugly, uh, ugly week one battle, maybe a, a 280 to 250 matchup. Yeah, I'm I'm right tracking with you again. I mean, starting one quarterback in the Superflex is never great. Um, and the rest of Andy's team outside of the receivers and running back just isn't enough to – it doesn't look like a playoff team. Um, but at the same time, like you said, I don't trust a lot of those guys on the Tyrants offense. Um, they're all really solid players, um, but I wouldn't say any of them have, like, a stock up arrow next to their name you know maybe outside of a guy like DK Metcalf or obviously the rookie Jonathan Taylor um, so it, it doesn't feel great I mean obviously for a season they might be able to get it done but a lot of those guys are just one injury away from out for season so um, yeah there are a lot of solid and then like in parentheses when healthy exactly yeah I, I have I'm still not convinced we'll ever see T.Y. Hilton play healthy again um, and a guy like Mike Evans um, did really well last year, but now the volume's not there. Um, same with the Higby, like you asked about, I'm torn on. Um, he's going to get a ton of volume. Um, the Rams are going to throw the ball a lot of times, um, but I just, I just don't see it. I mean, obviously that pace at the end of the year was unsustainable. Um, and he does have Kenyon Drake on his bench, so he will get a, a few more points um, once he puts him in the lineup. Um, but I see a pretty – Pretty easy win for the Tyrants here. I agree with you guys. Yeah, hopefully Andy updates that before week one. I know he's been super busy, but he doesn't want to have to find himself. Yeah, and while he's at it, maybe he could trade for one of the Tyrants quarterbacks because he has about seven. <laughs> what, do you guys, what do you guys think about, uh, before we move on to another matchup, Andy starting a uh, rookie place kicker? That's a little risky, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, some mixed feelings on that guy, obviously. Um, but it, uh, New England might be that team that isn't very good in the red zone, um, you know, depending on on who starts. Um, they're not going to have a solid run game, um, like rushing game, 
uh, especially if Sony starts out on the pup list. Um, and their receivers, probably the weakest in the AFC, um, maybe in all of football. So they may settle for a lot of field goals. Um, so that could be beneficial. Um, you know, that position has scored a lot of points in the past for that team. But, um, yeah, definitely risky to go out there with a, with a rookie. You never know if he's going to have his, his head on straight. Um, you know, we could have a, a real situation where he doesn't have a job in a couple of weeks too. And he's got Fairbairn on his bench in a game yep. versus the Chiefs, which yeah, has an over-under of like 200 points. Yeah, that, that's a move that I would, I would swap that out for sure. I would put Kenyon Drake in my lineup, and I would switch out kickers. And then he might score 260 instead of 250. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Number three of who am I? I attended Robert E. Lee High School in Montgomery, Alabama. Oh, that's tough. Nothing? I had nothing that comes to mind. Okay. Josh Jacobs. Hold... <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you give us another hint? Uh... I, yep, I will. I hold the state high school record for fastest 100-yard dash time at 10.58 seconds. I got I got two more. Who had the fastest 40 time this year? Oh, you might be onto something. Uh, I don't remember a name, but think oh. of a team that likes to draft speed. The Raiders. Henry yeah. Ruggs. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for the uh informal hint. Yes. Nice. So the other facts I have is my touchdown celebration isn't for my name, but rather it's honoring my childhood friend that encouraged me to play football. So after every touchdown, Ruggs throws up the number three. So his jersey is Henry Ruggs III, but um, it's for his his friend, actually. Um, oh. And then my last one was I was selected, and that friend was um, killed in a car accident. Oh, so that's why he does it to honor him. But I was selected with the 12th overall pick of the 2020 NFL Draft by the Las Vegas Raiders. So, yes, it is Henry Ruggs III. He is on the Indiana Mayhem, and they are facing the Oaktown Molosos. Very nice. So, Stai, why don't you break this one down? Looks like they actually have full rosters submitted. Yeah, absolutely. A couple Uh, of good owners here. Yes, exactly. It's nice that they have uh, full rosters. Indiana against uh, uh, Oaktown. So... You look at this matchup, and uh, both teams, uh, based on what MFL, MFL thinks, are going to be scoring quite a bit of points. And uh, Melissa's, I got to give him credit. Um, he's a very active owner. He uh, he does try to trade a lot. He's been sending me quite a few offers. Uh, on the other hand, uh, Carla is a very astute, uh, smart owner. Uh, she's not a big trader, uh, at least in my my opinion. So she'll talk trade every once in a while, but she's not somebody that looks at uh, constantly uh, trading or, or making changes. Uh, on her team, we got Russell Wilson and you got Nick Foles. Nick Foles, uh, you know, great opportunity for him in Chicago. You know, obviously uh, the other fact is there's no preseason, so there's not going to be any competition. So it looks like he's going to be entrenched as the week one starter. So that's good for her to have. Him playing and Russell Wilson is obviously always solid. Um, I really do like her running backs quite a bit. Uh, Aaron Jones is fantastic. He's always a, a very, very high scoring running back, both in the NFL and fantasy purposes. You got uh, Nick Chubb, that's great. Uh, Joe Nick, Joe Mixon, and uh, probably my favorite running back in the rookie uh, draft this year, which was uh, DeAndre Swift. Picked him up in some other leagues. I, I I don't know a lot about the rookies coming out, but I did like some of the films and information I got about him. So I like uh, I like her offense. Um, 
wide receiver just very interesting that he only has one listed and again three tight ends which I don't know I, I, I don't agree with that philosophy um, defensively you look at the, the uh, defense uh, defensive ends um, uh, great Joey Boza right there I mean and look at the other linebackers I mean a lot of points coming out of defense for her team and, and on the other side the Melissa's Josh Allen, uh, Buffalo is supposed to be having an excellent offense this year. Supposedly, some of the best wide receivers to throw the ball to. Cam Newton, I don't, I really don't have a lot of nice things to say about him, so I'm not gonna talk too much. Uh, handsome devil, though. And uh, on the uh, running backs, he has he's starting for both teams are starting for um, Ezekiel Elliott, solid, uh, great players. Uh, only three uh, wide receivers, but three good ones. So, uh, you know, you look at this, and I'm looking at all of them. I'm looking at defense, and honestly, I personally think the, the team that's going to win is the team that's going to score more defensive points because they're very uh, equally balanced teams. And to me, I think Carla has a better defense, at least on paper, on week one. So I'm going to give it to Carla, but I think it's going to be a very, very close matchup. I think it's going to be as close as maybe even 10 points. Yeah, um, I think you're spot on with that. Um, Matt, could you scroll down just to see the benches a little bit? Uh, I have a couple questions, I guess. Um, and one is, I would, if I'm Carla, obviously she's probably going to swap out Debo. Um, looks like he's probably not projected to play week one. Um, probably would throw Gallup in um, over him. One thing I would do too is I, I would start Bridgewater over Foles, I think, um, if I'm on her side. And then the other thing I noticed was she was starting a lot of chargers on defense week one. I think that kind of limits her upside. Um, by starting that many IDPs. Um, the, the one reason to scroll down was to see Tom. Um, I guess I, I'd like to get your take on this too, either Stye or Matt, but he's starting both Miles Sanders and Boston Scott in his backfield. And I think that's another thing that definitely um, limits upside for your team. I think you're uh, pushing yourself into a corner with that when you – uh, tie up an entire backfield um, in your starting lineup. Obviously, you get all the points, but, you know, that team typically only has the ball half the game. Um, so when they're on defense, you have two positions that aren't scoring anything. Um, I think it just makes it tough. They can't both touch the ball in the same play, you know, unless you get some laterals going or something. It's just not going to happen. Um, I guess, how do you guys feel about that? Um, I guess for my prediction, I would say that I think if Carla makes a couple of um, swaps on her side, I, I do think that I see her team um, winning week one. I know Tom has the higher projection, but um, based on the, on the teams, that's kind of what I see. But um, I'll let you guys kind of speak to your thoughts. Yeah, Tom doesn't have much going on at his bench, does he? <laughs> It's really not a no, whole. not really, and that might be why he why he has both of them, which you know is fine. But that's not. I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Maybe he doesn't, but you know, I don't know. Maybe a Deontay Johnson week one is something to throw out there rather than that second Eagles backer I, or Darius Slayton. I I don't know. Yeah. It's it's tough. It's a tough call. Um, I mean, I know MFL has put in Boston Scott at 12 points, but I don't see a situation where him plus Miles Sanders actually equals 30 points. Because um, like you said, you're, you're handcuffing your own running back. Um, you limit your ceiling. Your floor drops out. You know, let's say the Eagles are playing 14 nothing from behind in the middle of the first quarter. They're not running the ball. Yeah, maybe they're passing to Boston Scott, but – yeah, I, I don't like the strategy either. Um, Tom also had a couple of Dolphins on his defense, similar to what you said to Carla, uh, with too many Chargers. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's got too many Dolphins. Um, again, it's something where, like, you really bring down your floor a lot and you limit your ceiling. 
Um, it, it does decrease the variance in points a little bit. Um, I haven't looked at it for three people in particular, but as you add more and more and more, your variance in scoring does go down a little bit. But um, in a close matchup like this, I always just like to go for the moon and try to score as much as possible. Um, so I'd like to see the substitutions. But I, I think Tom has a slight edge, but it, it's going to be a close one. I do agree with you guys. And the only thing I was going to add, and I agree with uh, what Matt said, but uh, one player that I would maybe substitute uh, for that uh, secondary running back that we're talking about, I would put in that wide receiver on Miami's team, uh, which is Preston Williams. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm one of the few people, but I'm pretty high on uh, on Miami, Miami's offense, and I kind of like Preston Williams. I think he has a lot of upside, so I would substitute him versus uh, uh, Boston Scott. Preston Williams is my personal favorite as well. I like it. <laughs> yeah, and especially if Fitzpatrick gets the start, because I think that the ceiling for those Miami receivers is much higher with Fitzpatrick week one than it would be with, with Tua. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we are halfway through. This one is, I attended high school in Maryland where I starred as a quarterback and def defensive end on the field, but also was part of the choir off the field, and I play piano, saxophone, and the violin. Hmm. The second oh. hint. Oh, go ahead. I found uh, it. <laughs> could it be maybe um, Jamar Robinson? Nope. It is not him. I know who that is. The second fact is my nickname is Predator. Oh, well, that's easy. Hey, you mind if I take this one, uh, Matt? Go for it. It's definitely Taulia Takovawa. <laughs> no, it's not him. Exactly. <laughs> Is he still a DN? Like, I don't know. He's either a quarterback or a DN. He's probably not a quarterback. <laughs> in 2019, I finished fourth in Heisman voting as the only non-quarterback finalist. In 2018? 2019. Yeah, 2019. Jeez. Clearly, we don't watch the Heisman ceremony. <laughs> All right, you guys, you guys got to get it on this one. I was selected with the second overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft by a football team. Oh, well, that's easy. Lance Legrandi. No, he hasn't been drafted yet. Okay. Okay. That's my cat's choice. I do like that kid, though. Is he the quarterback? Are we talking about the same guy or am I missing something? Yeah, he's a quarterback. Lance. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Lance. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't know Chase Young was a quarterback, I guess. Well, yeah, in high school, Chase yeah. Young. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Although a lot of these guys, I guess, are probably the best athlete on their team. So right, right. they play yeah. all the positions. So yeah, um, so the answer is Chase Young. His nickname is Predator due to um, his dreadlocks coming out of his he head, similar to the Predator in the movie. Um I just I just want to go on record real quick, Matt. Uh, Matt I'm sorry. Uh, yes, just, go uh, ahead. No idea why Matt kept on choosing quarterbacks when obviously <laughs> defensive ends. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Nope. <laughs> All right. So Chase Young is on the Muskies, and he is facing the Degenerates in week one. Um, and this is a, uh, a matchup that, again, I'm going to let you – uh, breakdown. Stai, I definitely know who I think is going to win this one, but um, I'll let you break it down for us. So, uh, guys, uh, on the uh, Las Vegas Degenerates and uh, Muskego Muskies, it's going to be an interesting match. Uh, both these teams, uh, I predicted the Las Vegas Degenerates to be pink, even though he's made a lot of improvements. I just think he has a lot of youth. Um, but you look at this matchup and you have the 
the Muskies starting uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield versus uh, Derek Carr and uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff, I'm sorry. So um, then you got uh, you look at the running backs, and it's funny uh, that the degenerates are starting um, four running backs. Uh, one of them being uh, the Kansas City uh, rookie on on the first game of the year. They got some good running backs. Uh, they they have an advantage on running backs over the Muskies who are starting three. And then uh, as far as the wide receivers, definite advantage obviously on the Muskies. Quality also uh, over uh, and quantity. And uh, I uh, I'm not impressed at all with the. Uh, choice of tight end the degenerates are starting a tight end that's a rookie we know tight ends that are rookies do not play very well no matter how highly rated they are and this one's not highly rated um, but then you look at who he has as backups and he only has darren fells or jason witten still i would replace one of them versus cole Komet. And uh, defensively, defensively, both teams are only starting one defensive tackle. It's always funny to, for me to see the different ways people like to build their teams weekly. And uh, some people don't value defensive tackles very much. This team is valued linebackers a lot more. He has uh, a, uh, the degenerates have a, uh, Linebacker that is uh, opted out uh, when CJ Mosley, so he's probably not going to get too many points with him. And um, the, on the other side, you have some uh, quality linebackers. Overall, I'm going to have to say the Muskies uh, have the advantage. I actually think this is going to be a pretty severe advantage, and it's not going to be a close game. I'm going to say the Muskies blow out the Degenerates uh, in week one, probably about 40 to 50 point uh, win for them. Yeah, I agree. That's what I was thinking of too, was about 50, win, 50 points for the win for uh, the Muskies. A um, couple things I noticed, um, same as you, was just going down from the top of uh, the Degenerates lineup quarterbacks are fine and then he starts a, a good handful of running backs that you know that's a good running back core to have in a 12-team league and then after that it just falls off you you, you get sick looking at his team um, after after the running backs um, another uh, team starting three players from the same defense um, two at the same position on the Browns uh, I think that's going to limit some potential point scoring um, however, it is a good thing for the Degenerates that the season does not start until after the end of this month. So he should show up in time to get Mosley out of his lineup um, and hopefully get a uh, different player in there. Because um, you're right, Mosley's probably not going to score too much in that week one matchup for him. Uh, the Muskies, I, I don't think he's had some very good years in the past. Um, I don't think last year was very good for him, but he looks like he's built himself up a, a pretty decent team here. Um, he's probably, uh, you know, a 500 team, maybe a, a six and six type team uh, with this if things fall right. He's got some guys with, with um, high ceilings, A.J. Brown, DJ, Tar DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst. Um, Week one is, you know, for him, the matchup of Cooks versus Fuller is going to be big in what could be a high-scoring Houston versus Kansas City game. But, yeah, I'm going to take Muskego in, you know, maybe a 300 to 250 win. Yeah, once again, I think you guys are pretty spot on with it. Um, I think Muskego has a clear advantage again. Um, I think both teams are going to underperform what MFL is saying, though. Um, like, I'm just going through these projected points and, like, you know, like, something like 18 points for Mac Wilson. You know, you, you can obviously cherry pick, you know, how you want to. But I, I'm just not a big believer in a lot of these guys, um, on Dan's team especially, but also on the degenerates as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a really low-scoring game here. Um, I think Dan probably has a 500 team probably over the course of a season. Um, degenerates are pretty bad. I don't know if Pink bad. I think Andy had a pretty bad team, but um, he's got nothing on his bench if 
you know, the audience wants to take a quick look at the benches here. Um, you can take Mosley out of that lineup, but you really don't have a lot to plug in. Um, maybe Armstead would be a choice. Um, TJ Watt and cross your finger that this is one of the weeks where he gets 10 sacks and not zero points. Um, but other than that, there's not a whole lot going on here that excites me. We probably won't be seeing either of these teams in the playoffs. Yep, I agree. All right, let's move on to the next one. This one's tough. I will admit this one is tough. But between the teams, I didn't have a whole lot to choose from because neither one made a ton of draft picks. So I attended high school in Brentwood, Tennessee, and initially committed to Georgia before committing to Old Miss and then transferring to Florida. I have a guess. <laughs> the only Florida player I knew got drafted. <laughs> Take the guess. Uh, you got anything? No, I did not. What's the – oh, there's two Florida players who got drafted. Ooh, this gets interesting. That I remember. <laughs> um, I'll go LaMichael Pirine. I think he was in Florida. It is not him. All right. Well, I mean, off the top of my head – I'm sorry, guys. Uh, speak over anybody but off the top of my head I would say maybe uh, Deontay Marks nope it is not him was there a corner from Florida who got drafted Henderson yeah was that this year or last year CJ Henderson was that his name I don't know <laughs> that's why I got it Jacksonville I think um, yeah my father was an NFL wide receiver in the 90s and played in two Super Bowls. Bills receiver. Hmm. Or Cowboys. Right? Well, that changes everything. That changes everything, Matt. That has to be Van Jefferson. Correct. Van oh. Jefferson. <laughs> His father was Sean Jefferson. He played for the Chargers when they lost the Super Bowl to the Niners, and then he played for the Patriots when they lost the Super Bowl to the Packers. Um, so, yeah, Van Jefferson. Um, so the other facts I have is my given name is Vanchie, V-A-N-C-H-I-I. It goes by Van. And then I was selected with the 57th overall pick of the 2020 NFL Draft by the L.A. Rams. So, yeah, Van Jefferson is on the Super Winers against the Africans. And as you'll see from these rosters, I did not have a lot of rookies to choose from. So I think, Stai, I think this one's pretty easy to uh, pick a winner on. But uh, if you don't mind breaking it down for us um, and why the team that will win will win by probably like 80. Yeah, no, no problem, Haji. Um... Obviously, uh, Atlanta is a team uh, that a lot of us think is possibly going to be uh, the uh, winner of roster awards again this year. He has an amazingly solid team. Um, you look from top to bottom, offense, defense, there's not a lot of bad things to say. Uh, there's plenty of bad things to say about the owner, obviously, but not, the, not his team. Uh, you know, nobody likes Ian. But uh, you look at the team that he's playing, and in this case, it's almost like you almost like Ian and you want him to win because he's playing against Derek. So Derek, uh, he, um, a lot of people, you know, know about his uh, proclamation of liking uh, small rosters. He has a smaller roster than the Africans, but it's not that small of a roster if you really look at it uh, versus other teams in, uh, in, a, in a roster wars. He has a, a decent team. He doesn't have a bad team. He he has obviously uh, very very good uh, offensive players. Defensively, I mean, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of uh, a lot of the defensive players that he has picked. Um, he only likes to start. He's planning on starting two defensive tackle, defensive end uh, players, and then he has uh, four line. I'm sorry, three linebackers, and then. A ridiculous amount of safeties and you know I know safeties 
can score points, but still, you know, I just uh, I think that's a little excessive on uh, on that front. So, uh, so he has a good team, uh, a team that could possibly score 280 to 300 points. Yeah, so I think MFL is right on the money on that. But you're not going to beat the Africans with that type of scoring. I think the Africans reach close to uh, maybe 350 again, unfortunately, this week. And, and I, just, uh, I just don't see any, any weaknesses. I, I guess the only thing I probably might not do is start Miles Garrett. Um, just for the simple fact that, not because he got suspended and wasn't playing for the big portion of the, the late last year, but just for the fact that I, I just, I think I would wait a little bit before starting him just to see how he responds um, and uh, maybe start somebody else. And uh, just just uh, just to mention again, and this is, they're both starting only two defensive uh, tackle defensive ends, which to me, and I'd like to know what your thoughts are. Uh, I, I personally think that's a low amount of number. I mean, a low number on, on those two positions. I, I, I think there uh, should be higher versus uh, safeties or cornerbacks, for instance. But uh, yeah, obviously the Africans win 40, 50 points. Yeah, I agree. Um, Matt, I'd like to get your take on this one before uh, I, I talk about it. Yeah, in terms of the defensive tackle, defensive ends thing, um, again, like I, I look at like a lot of stuff. I just like to see the numbers on it. Um, I mean, it's no secret that like if everybody takes the same strategy, then picking another strategy is going to work. Um, so I, I think there's generally a consensus that you want a lot of linebackers. Um, or at least that's the consensus that I picked up on. But if everybody hoarded linebackers, then there would be a lot of value at the other defensive positions. Um, so these are two teams that do take the linebacker-heavy approach, but then there's other teams like the Red Knights who start a lot of D-tackles. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it, per se. Um, I generally prefer the heavy linebacker approach. Um, but, again, you know, if next year everybody started hoarding all the linebackers, then – I'm just going to have to find the value elsewhere. Um, in terms of this matchup, nobody's going to beat Ian. I think the strategy here is make it to the playoffs and hope somebody else knocks Ian out of the playoffs before you have to face him. Um, I mean, Derek's got a good team, solid team. The only position I see really with a weakness is tight end. Um, if he can find some way to trade for a tight end midseason, I think he's got a shot at the playoffs. and He's in a pretty good spot as long as – Ian has an off week because if not, Ian's just going to win this championship pretty easily. Yeah. Um, I definitely see Ian winning week one, obviously. Um, you just look at his offense and, you know, if you would equate it to a 12-team redraft league, he's got five first-round picks on offense. Um, and that's just not something that, you typically see so obviously that makes it tough to beat him um like I said probably an 80 point victory I'll, I'll say he puts up like a 370 in week one uh 370 to 290 or so um the super whiners will probably need some help um need somebody to uh just have an amazing game but um I just don't see it happening. But like you had said, you know, you just need your team to perform. If he can get a 300 to 320 point week, get his all play up, you know, even though his main record is 0 and 1, um, having that all play record be above 500 will be the key uh, going into week two for him. I wonder, like, how it feels to have such a dominant team. Like, it's like fantasy football even exciting anymore, or do you just like roll out the same lineup every week, like expecting to win? I, I guess that's fun. <laughs> I almost think it would just piss you off more to lose. Like, if you threw that lineup out there and lost, like, you'd almost feel like there's no way I should lose. You know, rather than going into the week being like, oh, this will be an exciting matchup to follow, it's, well, I should win again this week. And then all of a sudden you don't. I'd be like, well, that's just stupid. No reason <laughs> that I should have lost. All the other owners are just, like, below you. Like, if they somehow beat your, like, amazing magical team, it's like, ah, oh, they just, like, got lucky 
this week. Yeah, like this should be the team name, the Tyrants. Like it should just be like pow to me and my roster wars lineup because this is how you build a team. And just his bench is like insane too. Like Carson Wentz <laughs> is sitting on his bench, his third QB, and Andy's rolling out like Aaron Rodgers and nobody else. Yeah, yeah, just Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last Who Am I? I attended high school at Channel View High School in Texas. Guessing you guys aren't going to get it on that one, but. That's a big state. (laughs) A lot of players. (laughs) In addition to football, I have also done competitive powerlifting. Oh, uh, Patrick Quinn, obviously, he's a he's a strong guy. Yeah, it is not him, but yeah, that's a good guess. That's weird. I was about to say Patrick Queen too. <laughs> I was a four-star recruit that ultimately chose Alabama over Texas A&M. Um, I think there's the one obvious guess, but it might not be him. I don't know if that makes it obvious. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a power lifter, but there's only one Alabama player that we haven't really talked about yet. Stye, you got anything? Uh, are you thinking uh, Jerry Judy? Yeah. It is not Jerry Judy. Hmm. You get it on this one, though, I think, guys. I transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma after Tua was named the starter. There we go. Also doesn't seem like a power lifter. Yeah, supposedly he uh, squats about 500. Isn't he like 5'11"? He's, he's small, yeah, but he, uh, yeah, competitive power lifting. Wow. So then the final fact I have, I'm guessing, Matt, you know it, is I was selected with the 53rd overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, unfortunately, kind of ruins this man's early career hopes. Um, but <laughs> Jalen, some some vintage college Jalen was good while it lasted, even though he kind of got messed around by uh, Nick Saban for a few years. He did, yeah. He was fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, the answer is Jalen Hurts, and he is on Whiskey Creek, and they are facing Nevada in week one. So, Stai, a couple teams kind of on that playoff edge. Uh, What do you see happening in week one between these two teams? Well, uh, Haji, I'm obviously seeing what you guys are also seeing here, that Nevada obviously does not have a proper lineup. Uh, Not only does he have 21 players, but he also has a player on a bye, so really 20 players. And it reflects on his uh, MFL points scored. Um, but then you look at who he has on his bench. Uh, he has, uh, you know, some decent people he can plug in on offense. Uh, and uh, let's see, we got Cortland uh, Sutton uh, that he can put in uh, on the wide receiver front On the, as far as uh, defensively. He has uh, some players that I, you know, have a lot of good players, but he has some people that, yeah, he can plug in, like Marshawn Lattimore, uh, a cornerback that's get him some points that's sitting on his bench right now. Um, I don't like Nevada Nighthawks team this year. I really don't. Uh, I'm not high on his uh, expectations. And uh, I, I also don't like the Gatabouts chances this year. You know, I do like his quarterbacks, obviously. I like, I like both Tom Brady and uh, Matthew Stafford. I would love if he would trade both of them to me. But um, as far as this week, I, uh, I see a, an advantage for uh, the Gatabouts. I don't think the Nighthawks have enough firepower. They have, uh, you know, they have, they're, they're starting or they have five wide receivers that they're starting. 
and uh, only Jordan Howard as a running back. Uh, again, their bench, like I was saying before, they have Tariq Cower that they can plug in. Uh, even Kareem Hunt, I uh, believe, is he might be playing. Um, you know, he's uh, he's playing for Cleveland now, so uh, they ha they have some work to do. They don't have a lot of great options on the uh, Nevada side. I don't like his defense. I really don't. Um, I'm not a fan of the the players. I do love love Blake Martinez. I think. He's very fortunate to have one of the best linebackers in the league in Blake Martinez. But besides that, I'm not a huge fan of his uh, linebacker or uh, defensive core in, in general. You look at the other side with the Gadabouts, you know, uh, they have uh, some deficiencies as well. They don't have great choices. Um, they have right on, I mean, they, they're a lot better off on the offensive side with some good starting players that also are on his uh, on his bench. Like for instance, Ryan Fitzpatrick. If something happens and Matthew Stafford or Tom Brady cannot play, and this year we know that having a good bench is is vital. You look at some of the wide receivers he stacked on his bench on wide receivers. Not great choices, but I mean. You put Larry Fitzgerald in there, if you have somebody down, and he's, he's going to score some points most likely. So uh, as far as this matchup, I think the Gadabots win the game. I think that Gadabots will win the game. Probably I'm, I'm envisioning about 20 to 25-point margin versus the Nighthawks. I think the Nighthawks are, um, have a potential of having a very bad season personally. And uh, that's uh, – I, I, predict that the Gatabots are going to come out ahead in this last matchup in the DD conference. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the Gatabots win this one. Um, I think Bern will update his roster and um, I'm not sure why he has Cortland Sutton on the bench currently um, with the other five receivers. Uh, starting, I think the only receiver I may start over Cortland Sutton would be Phelan. So um, I don't know if he just recently acquired Sutton in a trade, but why he's on the bench, I'm not uh, so sure of. Um, also not sure why uh, like Kareem Hunt is on the bench over some of these wide receivers as well. Um, it does, just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I agree completely with his defense. Um, I like his linebacking core, but other than that, there isn't a whole lot that um, that scares me there. I know uh, Max Crosby and Von Bell can make some plays, but um, it's just not. It, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't do much. And then you know, starting two cornerbacks, it's never good for anybody either. Um, and then obviously, he's starting a guy who recently got cut by his team. Um, but yeah, the Gadabouts, I think they have a pretty strong um, starting lineup. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, their bench will be able to handle a long season. Uh, the news about Geis obviously hurts him. Um, not having a team uh, affected his running back depth a little bit. Um, another team that rolls out three tight ends. Um, and, you know, three, three tight ends that could be hit or miss all season long. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for him going forward. But I will agree. I will take the, the Gadabouts by 30 in week one. I'll say uh, 280 to 250 up here. Matt, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, I mean, Gadabouts by 30 isn't a bad guess, but there's – this isn't even, like, a fun competitive – like, you could pick the best 22 players. Like, after they play, pick the best 22 players on both of these teams, and, like, you still might not get within 30 points of being. Like, that's just how bad I think the disparity is this year. Um, there seems – I think Burn probably is one of the worser teams. Whiskey Creek is probably a middle of the road. I know we've said that for a lot of matchups so far, so it really speaks to just – how much of a disparity there is between maybe teams like Ian or the Dragons and the rest of this, um, the rest of this division. So, mm -hmm. um, 
in, in terms of like long-term playoff aspirations, neither of these teams excite me. Somebody's going to have to slip in as the four, five, and six seeds in this conference, even though it might not even matter much. Um, but yeah, I mean, you made a good point. Whiskey Creek has a solid week one lineup. Um, I'm not in love with his defense personally, and he doesn't have the offensive depth on his bench probably to sustain it over the course of a season. Um, mm-hmm. Nor would he maybe even want to spend all of those war blocks and resources trading for players just to lose to Ian anyway. Um, and then from Burn, you know, obviously you can plug a couple more guys into his lineup, but um, this isn't a playoff team. Um, the, the receivers have a lot to be desired. Um, a, a couple of guys who might, you know, grow their stock over the course of the season, um, but there's nothing too much to his team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if Burn feels the burn early of missing the playoffs um, and he takes some of those players with rising stock and maybe cashes in um, to help his 2021 team. But yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a team where he's looking for lightning in a bottle with a lot of players and, you know, hoping he hits, but I'm just not certain how many weeks he's going to win unless all those players hit on a week. Um, and, you know, it'll be, it'll be real fun if it's, you know, a week he plays Atlanta and all of his players hit that week and he gives the Africans a, uh, a run for his money that week. That would be exciting at least. Anything can happen. Exactly. Yep, yeah. That's why they play the game. One thing I wanted to add guys uh, that is uh, in- very interesting and, and that I don't know if you uh, guys are aware of with uh, DD Obviously, it's been widely known that we don't have a lot of war bucks uh, due to uh, obviously the, the bidding and what's happened in the past and all the action. But something that's interesting and that is a fact, Burn loves facts, is uh, the fact that Burn is the only person that is in DD and is not afraid to use the taxi squad. You look at his team, he has 10 players on the taxi squad. The closest uh, to to him uh, would be five players, and I believe that's the Muskies that has five players. So he has double than any other team uh, on taxi squad players. Now, obviously, they're players that are lower draft pick, but that's just a little tidbit I wanted to throw out for you guys uh, in case you weren't aware. Are the Red Knights using the taxi squad at the moment? Yes, uh, the Red Knights. Uh, I... Um, I did use the Texas squad, and unlike the other teams, uh, if you notice, most of the, at least on the DD side, it seems like a lot of people like to stash the late rounders, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders, fourth. I put uh, I put some major uh, picks. I like, for instance, I put Keyson Vaughn, uh, the running back for the Bucks. I drafted. Uh, Drafted him at two point um, in the second round, uh, eighth player in the second round. I also put uh, Zach Moss, uh, running back for Buffalo, that I drafted in the third round. And then I have a couple of defensive players, one from the past, and also Julian Okwara that I'm high on. Uh, he's a, a defensive end that plays for uh, Detroit or possibly will play for Detroit. So, uh, so it's interesting. Yeah, I'm not afraid to put those guys on there. Um, but I will say that uh, part of the reason why I made a recent trade and traded uh, a running back uh, that was very good that you guys spoke about to the uh, Eternals was uh, this, the simple fact that I needed to uh, get some more bucks to protect my players in case they're under attack. My babies, are like, as I like to call them. But I've been extremely disappointed because one thing I always look um, – almost on a regular weekly basis is who I can steal. And um, and I, I, I don't really like anybody. It's almost like some ugly babies that this guy's, my competitors are putting up. And it's made me very sad. Um, so I don't know what to do about that, but I just, it's, it's, it's a very sad thing. And maybe it's my fault for stealing so many babies in the past that people are hesitant to uh, put their babies on the taxi squad. But if I can just implore anybody listening, uh, please, your babies are safe. Please add them to the taxi squad. I will 
not give you my word that I will not grab them. But um, if they have like maybe one comment on one of these random news sites that they had a good, pre, you know, like a training camp, a catch something, I don't know, a, a blister that healed something, I will probably steal them. But I don't want you to think about that. I want you to put them up in the years to come, obviously, not this year, you can't. And just know that I will probably not steal them. Um, most likely I will, but probably not. And I'm not afraid to steal them if they're good or bad. So I'll steal anybody just to steal them. So uh, if I can just implore the other 11 owners to please stop being so stingy with your babies. That's, that's all I have. Thanks, guys. Some real words of wisdom right there. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, you know, let them live a little bit. Throw them out in the street, see what happens. Um, so that's going to do it for our, our DD talk this week. Uh, we have two more conferences to go before the NFL season kicks off. Um, so signing off for Matt and the Baby Stealing Sty. Uh, this has been another episode of the RW.